Previously on the Podcaster's Guide to the Conspiracy. Previously in May's... Three whole episodes on the various conditions which make something a conspiracy, and then the urtext of this podcast, MH370. So very 2014. Mm. Uh, Project Bluebeam, Nikola Tesla, Ben Reisinger, and Seymour Hirsch. Eh, 2015 was ages ago. An interview with David Icke. I mean, May 2016 featured more than that, but it's really all you need to know. Martin Orr, the Koch brothers. That's a weird combo. Trump and his conspiracy theories. Those were the days we pretended Andy Basciago was president, don't you know? And Red Mercury. Ah, 2017. The year everything changed. Prime Minister's husband mixes with an update on MH370. Only two episodes back in May 2018. I blame Clark Gayford. Finally, QAnon. Who we haven't really covered on this podcast because it's not actually a conspiracy theory that interests me much at all. And Eric Von Daniken. Oh, and not one but two news episodes. May 2019 was when we changed. And not necessarily for the better. But now... It's... Time... For... The... Conspira... News... Podcaster's Guide to the Conspiracy, brought to you today by Josh Addison and Dr. M. Denton. Hello and welcome to the Podcaster's Guide to the Conspiracy. I am Josh Addison in Auckland, New Zealand, and back, back once again in the, the balmy shores of Hamilton is Dr. M. R. Extented. Shores? I mean, I know there's a river here, but it's not really... Well, for, not the, really bar- the balmy banks of Hamilton, how's that? Okay, I mean, there are an awful lot of banks on the main drag, so mm. I will take it. There's also a casino, which, though Auckland has a casino, and Wellington has a casino, I really don't think Hamilton is big enough to have a casino, and also shouldn't have one anyway, because Auckland and Wellington shouldn't have one, so, you know, casino. Yes, odd, odd. But yes, so, so we managed one week, we managed to co-locate for a single week in between the lockdown ending and then heading back down to, to Hamilton. Freezingly cold Hamilton. Mm. Are the universities open? Are you... Well, the campus is open, so I can go into the office. There are no students on campus, and there probably won't be until the beginning of next year because the university has decided that tri- trimester B, because we have trimesters here, not semesters, is going to be online because if there's any outbreak of COVID-19 on campus, the campus by edict must shut down and go into lockdown. So there's just no point even trying to teach face-to-face next semester. Mm-hmm. There will be labs and field trips, but they're trying to work out how to negotiate those in just the right way to minimise risk. Indeed. Well, my my COVID update is that... Uh... The company where I work has reopened its office, um, but sort of it's, is, is uh, rationing our time there. So they sort of have half the staff in for some of the week and half the staff in for the other, so we can all be um, we can all be spaced out. But I wouldn't know because they've also said, and you know, if you want for now, you can just keep on working for home. So I have. So that's me, still still working at home, still business as usual, still COVID nineteen, COVID nineteen all the time. And you know what? Also, is all the time age. The spectre yes. of death. I, see, I was going to go birthdays, but yes, you want to mm. go for the the more 
threatening notion. Mm. We need to wish a very special happy birthday to someone out there listening to this podcast right now. Drew, we know you're listening. And Drew, we love you. Happy birthday. I mean, it was a few days ago. I'm aware of that. But of course, you know, these podcasts are recorded not on your birthday, but according to our own special timetable. We're mm. still taking time out to say, Drew, happy birthday to you. Yeah. One step closer to the grave, to the inky void and decrepitude that await us all. Congratulations. Yep. You've got three years. Mm. Now it is the end of the month which means it's time for a news episode. We didn't do a news episode last month. Why didn't we do one last month? Partly because we couldn't be bothered. Yeah, no, it was just COVID-19, else... COVID-19, mm. COVID-19, 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 COVID-19. And I think we had, something, we had something more interesting to talk about, so we did. I can't remember what that was now. I but... believe it was actually the interview with Joe. Oh, the interview, of course. Yes, yes, had an interview, really ripe and rearing to go. So, yep. But um, yes, no, we should get back to it. Uh, our, our patrons who tune into the bonus content will have been getting various news updates over the last couple of months. Um, and we have some of them to follow up on and looking at our list of a bit of new stuff as well. So why don't we pile straight into it then? Yes, let's head straight into the news. Breaking, breaking conspiracy theories in the news. Right, shall we start locally then? Yes, let's go. Actually, actually, a bit of a theme to our first few news updates. They're all about leaders. Mm. And what better way to start than the fact that our country has a new leader of the opposition? Yes. So earlier this week, uh, Todd Muller replaced the current leader of the opposition, Simon Bridges. Um, Todd Muller, a man no one in the country had heard of, as far as I'm aware. But, um... So I was aware of him... For a few things prior, the the hat, which we'll be talking about at some point in this discussion, was actually brought up in a spin-off piece sometime last year. But also, Muller kind of got into the news last year because he didn't like the fact that Tapapa had exhibits on climate change, claiming that they were anti-farmer which is kind of interesting because he is trying to present himself as being the, br- the blue-green leader, despite the fact that all of his credentials... Credentials? Credentials? Mm, his credentials. ...indicate that he's actually pretty much a farmer through and through, and the greenery of his blue livery is basically a hastily painted-on facade. Mm. Now, this is a conspiracy theory podcast, but there is, of course, a conspiratorial angle because this is all, it came out quickly. Could it be referred to as a coup? I think, well, so, right, so herein lies the issue. So the basic facts of the case are, last week there were not one but two disastrous polls for the opposition, opposition party in our country where they've gone from basically being in the mid to high 40s in popular support to now being at around about 27, 20%. So, yeah, 27, 28% support. So it turns out that actually under the leadership of Simon Bridges, National's gone downhill 
quite a bit. And this then led to the notion that bridges ought to be rolled, and then a whole bunch of names were being put forward for potential new leaders of the party, of which Todd was one of them, and bridges basically lost a vote of confidence in his caucus, which triggered a leadership election, and Todd is now the new leader of the National Party. The thing is, whilst he is going, oh no, it was a spur of the moment thing, I've never had any particular plan for being leader of the National Party, everyone else is going, that's not true. You've talked about wanting to be leader of the National Party for quite some time. When there was the last leadership contest, you were contesting for deputy leader of the opposition, and it was quite clear from what you were saying at that particular point in time that was your test run for wanting to be leader. Actually, you've wanted to be leader for a while. Maybe the poll result has forced your hand earlier than expected, but actually when you say... I never wanted to be leader, it was thrust upon me. That's kind of a lie covering up the fact that actually you've wanted this for a while. Mm. Yes, and that, if that's the story, then it's a coup, and that coup has elements of conspiracy because basically political coups are conspiratorial by nature. Yes, it, it would be hard to think of a spur-of-the-moment coup that just, just sort of happens on the spot without some amount of forethought, which would have to be kept secret at the very least, from the the people who you're going to be replacing. So, I, th I think we can justify talking about. It. And then things have gone a little bit, little bit wonky right from the start. There was yes, as you as you say, it had been noted that Mr. Muller keeps a a Make America Great Again cap, sort of proudly on display. It seemed, and was it his office or his home? In his office. In his yes. office. Yes. Um, so there was a bit of a bit of back and forth about that. Is it just an interesting piece of? sort of, you know, political memorabilia. I mean, obviously, if you say what you want about Trump, it's certainly a significant moment in American history. But um, given, given, given his other political leanings, it seemed possibly more of, a, more of a signal, more of a... Well, especially since Judith Collins, now number three or four on the National Party list, is now going around saying, I don't like being demonised for being white. Mm. does indicate that maybe elements of national are going to resurrect their rather conservative views on race again. Mm. Yes, so we'll have to see how that goes. But um, speaking of, speaking of uh, leaders who are dead or perhaps not quite, um, I'm pretty sure we must have, in the, the news, um, news episode a couple of months ago, talked about Kim Jong-un who was maybe dead, maybe sick, maybe dying. We don't know. He definitely disappeared from public life in North Korea. Mm. And North Korea being North Korea, who the hell knows what's going on in there. So largely it was, it was just speculation. Um, it, seemed, it seemed to point that something was a bit wrong with him, but whether or not he was actually dead or not, who the hell knows. But then, um, then it turns out he's not dead after all. Yeah, he just turned up with no explanation as to mm. why he's been away for a while. And there were conspiracy theories about what had happened to him, including the idea he was dead and the regime was managing the transition, or had suffered cardiac arrest during heart surgery and was in a vegetative state not likely to wake up, which would have been a problem for the regime. You have to work out, do we rule in his stead? Do we appoint someone to rule for him? Do we claim he's 
kind of dead, so we want to replace him. And now, of technically, course, isn't isn't North Korea still technically ruled by Kim Jong Un's grandfather? I'm pretty sure the original are, yeah. one, the original Kim, sort of died, and then who was the previous one? Kim Il Jong was was supposedly just sort of looking after the country until his trans uh, until his triumphant second coming or something, and and, and Kim Jong Un's the same. So they could probably manage. Uh, a leader bumping off and just say, oh, he'll be, he'll be back. Like Scientology, just mm. waiting for L. Ron Hubbard to return. But yes, even when Kim Jong-un reappeared, people started having conspiracy theories about what he'd been up to. And the thing is, we do not know, nope. and we probably won't ever know what happened in that six-week kind of weird interregnum in North Korea. And in the absence of any solid information, people are theorizing like it's going out of fashion. Yes, there's a lot of talk about his sister. A lot of people saying, you know, she, she's the one who'd probably take over. So if you start seeing a lot more of her on the television, then that means she's gearing up to take over and something must be wrong with him. But I don't know, it's, it, it's North Korea. That's all you can say. It's North Korea. Indeed. Now, what they're going from the north to the south, what's mm. been happening in Venezuela, Joshua? The south of the Americas. Yes. So I know we definitely talked about this in Patreon episodes. Um, there seems to have been something resembling a coup slash assassination attempt slash something. I think actually they were trying to abduct rather than abduction. Uh, against Nicolas Maduro, the current president of Venezuela. So um, in, uh, in early May, uh, a bunch of mercenaries were captured coming in via sea from Colombia, and supposedly they were there to overthrow and capture Nicolas Maduro and presumably take him back to the States. Yes, because he has been labelled by the US as a narco-terrorist, mm. and there is a $15 million US bounty on his head if they presumably bring him in alive, not dead. Although I actually, actually don't know whether that's a dead or alive bounty or bring him in to be tried, but definitely get rid of him from mm. Venezuela. Now, it turned out the people at, uh, behind this attempted overthrow, which which failed, um, some of them were killed, some of them were captured, the whole thing came out. I, it sounds like it was all a little bit of a cock-up, really, and that I think yeah, people they were sound... supposed to be working with sold them out straight away or something. It does sound like the mercenaries thought that they would be celebrated as liberators, and actually it turns out as soon as they arrived on soil, the Venezuelans went, oh, God, it's the Americans again, what are they going to do? put these people under citizen's arrest immediately whilst we get the military police to come and sort this all out. Mm. So the fellow behind it was a guy called Jordan Goudreau. Um, he's a, a, a US military veteran who now runs a private security company called Silver Corp USA. Or is that um, Silver Corps? Uh, probably, actually, yeah. Probably, uh, Hard to it? tell with the US, isn't it? Mm. Might be Silver Corps USA. Yes, you never know. Um, so he's he, he has a slightly spotted past... Well, he's under federal investigation for arms trafficking, for one thing. Mm, and apparently was involved in a conspiracy um, with a former Venezuelan army general to train Venezuelan military deserters in Colombia to then get back at Maduro. Um, it seems like he was in it for the money. Um, he was, he, he'd, he'd 
taken it upon himself to do this do this thing which he believed uh, he, he thought you know the american authority it was a thing the american authorities wanted to happen and he took it upon himself to make it happen to get that that sweet sweet 15 million dollar reward money uh and the question is was he acting with the approval tacit or otherwise of the american government the american government claims i believe to have nothing to do with this and certainly you know, when it went south straight away, they certainly would have wanted to have nothing to do with it. But um, it's all a little bit odd, down to the fact that one of the mercenaries who was captured has said in a public statement that he was working under the orders of President Trump. Now, is that in the same way that that QAnon dude who shot the Gambino family crime boss thought that he was working under the orders of President Trump in, in, in a sort of a weird QAnon-y kind of way? Or did he mean that more literally? We're not sure, but obviously Trump denies any knowledge that anything happened or that anything was going to happen. Well, yes, and it doesn't help that Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo, has said there was no direct US government involvement in this incursion into Venezuela. Now, that might just be a turn of phrase, or it might be a tacit admission that the State Department knew about the raid and had gone, yeah, we're not going to explicitly say you should do this, but at the same time, we're also not going to say you shouldn't do it. Yeah. There is a question here as to whether the State Department knew this was going on and didn't do anything to stop it, because it's advantageous to the US if Maduro is ousted from power, or whether the State Department actually aided and abetted in the raid. What is interesting is that the US response to mercenaries going into a foreign state to abduct the leader of that state, although I'm aware that it is contested by people outside the US as to whether Maduro is the legitimate president of Venezuela. It is interesting that the US's response was not to go, that's terrible, they shouldn't have done it. Their response was to demand that the Americans be returned home. Mm. I very much doubt America would return say, Australian soldiers who invaded the US to get rid of Donald Trump and go, oh, yes, we should definitely send them home. I mean, I mean, it was a jolly jape and it didn't work. So off you go, back home with you. Mm. Uh, and, a, and a final little wrinkle, it gets um, a bit of, bit of false flag conspiracy theorizing going on because always. Um, the opposition, led by Juan Gaido, is he one who claims to be the legitimate... So President, he's but... the leader of Congress, which and is claiming to be the president. There's a whole, there's mm, a really, really yes, tricky yeah. story, which actually makes him illegitimate now because his term's only meant to be 12 months and it's been longer than that. So actually he's holding on to power illegitimately anyway in his congressional role. It's very complex. Mm. But um, he, he has made the claim that um, this whole thing was actually orchestrated by Maduro to, to sort of set this thing up to fail so that he could say, you know, look how look how embattled I am. Here's, here's, here's America sending off people to try and get me. So and actually, that's another so that, to it. That but. has elements of the Mehop and Lehop hypothesis mm. because you can either go Maduro knew about the raid and prepared to stop it or he organised the raid and was responsible for it as a PR stunt. Mm. However, given that Juan Guaido is only recognised as president of Venezuela by a few countries overseas, you might also think it's in his interest to claim it's a PR stunt to distract from the fact that there was a disastrous coup he may have had knowledge of, which completely failed. Mm. 
Yes, so just generally murky all around. Now, um, let's let's come back home then. Um, to our Richard, own local leader, Jacinda Ardern. Jacinda Ardern. Uh, and, and dealings with Richard Prosser. Tell us about Richard Prosser. Oh, where to start, Joshua? Richard yeah, Prosser. Sorry, I should have said a... sigh deeply and then tell us about Richard Prosser. I'll do that again then. Mm. Richard Prosser is a former New Zealand First MP. Now, New Zealand First is one of the minor parties in our government. It often actually ends up being a support party to whoever is in charge at any particular point in time. It's led by this guy called Winston Peters, who for some reason is particularly popular with people over the age of 65. I think it's because he he quite clearly cannot die, and I think is an aspirational figure for everyone of advanced years. That is true. Mm. And the thing about New Zealand First is, by and large, people vote for Winston Peters, the party does well, and due to MMP, a whole bunch of other MPs come in, and then people discover that Winston Peters might be a charmer, but the people he attracts to the party aren't, and Richard Prosser is one of these people. So he's been in trouble before, so when he was an MP, he's not MP now, he blamed troubles in the country on Islam, has claimed that feminism means that Western society has been hijacked by a conspiracy of silly little girls, had huge issues with Sikhs and the way that they carry a ceremonial knife and are allowed onto planes, which turned out to be due to the fact that he carried a pocket knife onto a plane and had it confiscated. So basically he was just pissy about not following the rules and took it out on an entire group of people in the country as a result. He's no longer in Parliament, which means he's probably spending too much time on the internet and writing blog posts because He's written a blog post on his own personal blog, richardprosser.com, about how Jacinta Ardern is enabling the plandemic. Plandemic? Why? That's the title of that COVID video that's been going around in full. The one that you wouldn't let us cover on this podcast. You didn't want to give it any airtime. Well, that's true. Jokes on you. We're mm. talking about it now because of Richard Tosser Prosser. Son of a bitch. So, yes, he's claimed that um, Jacinda Ardern, former president of the International Union of Socialist Youth, which is true, but emphasis mine, uh, right before she first became an MP and not long after she had spent a couple of years as a senior advisor in Tony Blair's spin department, has been a key player in it for a decade and a half. Yes, so, so 15 she years been, in yeah, the making. She's been pandemic. planning, along with her other mates in socialism, to bring about this pandemic and organised appearance of a virus sweeping the nation and indeed the world in order to engage in a great reduction in the population in the developed world and the virtual enslavement of the remainder with a totalitarian surveillance one world police state having one government, one currency, and one recognized authority. And they had to do that through the usual mechanisms of forced vaccination, microchipping, and the like. Mm. Have you seen the thing that's been going around the social medias at the moment, the the imagined conversation between Bill Gates and his advisor saying Oh yes. We, we yes. need to we need to get tracking microchips into everybody. What, what I'm uh, thinking uh, is no, we no, hold on wait wait wait. Can can we just use a cell phone? 
Yes, yeah, we could make make a make a invent a virus and then invent a vaccine for it and then inject microchips. No, 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 wait, wait, wait. We, we, we could just use their phones. Yeah, yeah. 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 So yeah. The idea that these devices, which for those of you watching the video, will now see a cell phone on on screen, we can be tracked with those with such ease. You don't need to microchip a population. We've already persuaded people to carry around personal supercomputers in their pockets with GPS units inside. Microchipping is pointless. We've all got cell phones. Mm. Anyway, um, and yes, so so COVID. So I understand he calls it COVID nineteen. Is that because no, it, it's all a con? It's a, it, it's a con, right? And now I should point out the people who are meant to be behind this plan are ye bog standard international finance and the old banking cartels, which does seem ever so slightly crypto anti-Semitic, given that those are usually the coded phrases we use for saying it's the Jews. Mm. And it kind of fits in with something I've been saying a lot in the media. Not many of the COVID-19 conspiracy theories I've seen, and when I say not many, none that I've seen thus far, seem novel. They all just seem like repackaged theories that use the pandemic, not the pandemic, the pandemic as the latest crisis, which is evidence of the supposed end goal of these nefarious conspirators. Mm. Yes, well, now another thing that these conspirators have been saying, conspirators possibly including the President of the United States as well? I suspect you mean conspiracy theorists, otherwise you're saying conspirators have been saying it. And Josh, we're not meant to talk about the actual conspirators. We're meant to be be here making fun of these conspiracy theories, not revealing that we know what's really going on behind the scenes. Right you are. Yes, no, sorry. The conspiracists have been saying... Um, various dark suggestions have been going on for a while about the exact origins of COVID-19. Was it made in a lab? Was it released deliberately? Was it released accidentally? Um, now, there has been um, uh, some amount of, of conclusion that, uh, no, it was not made in a lab. Um, th- this is the sort of thing you can tell if you know what to look for when looking at the DNA of something like a virus. Um, you can tell when something like that has been manipulated uh, and and they don't see that looking at the COVID-19 virus. Um, yes, the biologists who have actually looked at the genome of COVID-19 are going, if it has been manipulated, there's been any kind of gene editing on it, it's been done in a way which those of us who know what to look for cannot find evidence of it. And it does look suspiciously like a virus which is mutated naturally and transitioned from one animal species to another. Now, a lot of this debate about COVID-19 being developed in a lab has centered on a lab in Wuhan in China, which does do studies of coronaviruses. And they particularly look at coronaviruses in bats because it has been suspected for a while a disease of this type will make the species jump. So people have been trying to research these things in advance of that jump so that when we get a pandemic of this particular kind, we've got information to work with. Now, the lab in question has said, look, we do have three strains of coronavirus which comes from bats, but the closest match to a COVID-19 strain is 78%, which might seem high, but actually is nowhere near close enough 
to think that it's going to be the origin state of COVID-19 as we're seeing it in the wild at this particular point in time. So intelligence agencies, scientists and the like have all said, look, there really isn't any evidence COVID-19 came from a lab, but that hasn't stopped elements within the US administration from making that claim regardless of the evidence, has it, Joshua? It has not, no. I mean, we've we've seen the Trump tweets darkly suggesting as much. Um, and then Mike Pompeo, when we were talking about him again just a minute ago, Secretary of State, um, apparently... Never, made, heard, never heard of him. Mm, apparently made the claim there is, quote, enormous evidence, unquote, that the coronavirus outbreak originated in a Chinese laboratory, um, as, as is becoming familiar with a lot of these things. And people said, that's interesting. What is that evidence? Um, that that never actually turned up. Indeed, when when he was reminded on TV in the US that actually the intelligence agencies had denied that claim, he seemed to immediately turn on a dime and agree with them. Mm. Yes, I mean it's all the 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 appearance is that the Trump administration is is desperate to blame the entire thing on China. Um, so they themselves could not be blamed for it, given that there's an election coming up in November. So how, how successful that strategy will be, uh, we'll just have to wait and see, I suppose. However, a more successful strategy, or maybe not so much, mm. is Trump's recent claims about Obamagate. Now, Josh, what is Obamagate? Uh, what isn't Obamagate, quite frankly? It's, it's all you want it to be and more. Um, so, yes, uh, a, a couple of weeks ago now, Trump started tweeting about Obama, Obamagate, hashtag Obamagate. All caps. About how, all caps, yep. And about how this is a massive thing. It was it, apparently Obamagate makes Watergate look small time. Apparently it's the biggest political crime in history. Didn't actually give any details to what it actually is. Now, it's, it was noted that, um, that the initial flurry of Obamagate tweets started not long after Obama... Um, comments from Obama had had come out where he had been talking about the anarchic state of the administration and basically had had, had stated that Trump was doing a bad job. And if, if, if there's one thing guaranteed to set Trump off, it would be Obama bad-mouthing him. Um, so originally these, these sort of darkly portentous tweets didn't have any meaning uh, attached to them themselves, so people immediately started running around attaching meaning to them. Um, so, uh, like, the likes of the QAnon folks who believe that Trump is some sort of infallible demigod and that everything he says has deep and profound meaning immediately decided that this was talking about something. Probably those claims we'd seen before that Obama and Biden were sort of planting... Um, stories about Trump and Russia to influence the 2016 election. Um, the Q people got got um, all excited about the fact that obviously, obviously, the fact that Trump is mentioning Obama like this means Obama is just about to be arrested. That that oncoming storm must be oncoming. But um, still no actual details. Reporters eventually quizzed him on it. Um, Someone from the Washington Post asked him, what is, what's Obama, what the hell are you talking about, man? At which point Trump said, it's been going on a, a long time, it's been going on from before Eve got elected, and it, it's a disgrace that it happened, and if you look at what's gone on, and you look at now, all this information that's being released, and from what I understand, that's only the beginning, some terrible things happen, and should never have been allowed to happen in our country again. You know what the crime is. The crime is very obvious to everybody. All you have to do is read the newspapers, except yours. 
except yours, yes. So, so yes, it's so obvious. There's no need to even say what it is. Apparently. Although now we have some idea of what it's meant to be. So the claim is kind of solidified into Obama's administration was spying on the Trump campaign during the election, which is kind of true. It is the case that there was worry about Russian interference in the 2016 election, which led to agencies like the FBI going, we should probably, oh, sorry, the CIA going, we should probably actually look into this, advising the Obama administration that they thought there was incursion into the Trump campaign. This was put into a letter by Susan Rice to Obama. And then the Obama campaign contacted the Trump campaign, Obama's Trump, the Obama administration. Oh, dear. Sorry, that's a little bit of a burp there. That's, that, that wasn't very delicate. Of you are me. worse than a beast. It's true. So they contact, the Obama administration contacted the Trump campaign. That's not quite the story that's come out in the media, though, is it? Well, I mean, yeah, there was... Um... There were redactions to this email, and then and then the the redactions became unredacted, basically. Um, and so, while this email initially looked like, yes, let's spy on the Trump campaign and very damning. Once you read all of the email, it was, uh, yes, let's investigate the the Trump campaign um, and make absolutely certain that you do everything by the book and make sure it's all proper and legit and official. Um, so without the redactions, it actually looks much less damning towards the Obama campaign uh, than it might have originally. Yeah, without the redactions, it actually looks like it was what you would expect in a situation where a foreign nation is meddling in your elections. Mm. Now, instead of meddling in elections, let's meddle in David Icke. His YouTube page is gone. It's a shame. Or yes. is it? Well... So Ike, Ike has been having a bit of issue with the social medias in the same way that Alex Jones had issues mm. with the social medias as of last year. So Jones famously lost his YouTube channel, his Facebook, and the like. David Ike has now lost his YouTube page, and he's lost his YouTube page because he's been spreading conspiracy theories about COVID-19, which have been decided to be the kind of thing which is going to have disastrous public health results, given that David Icke thinks that COVID-19 isn't real and is part of a plot to bring in a new world order, and people should ignore social distancing. They should definitely not get a vaccine if it's made available, et cetera, et cetera. And his YouTube page basically went after Facebook had removed his page for similar issues the week before. Now, Ike is annoyed by this because David Ike gets annoyed by being denied a platform everywhere and has claimed that in retaliation, his fans are now spreading his videos by email and, and the like in the tens of millions, which is a hard metric to get to, mm. given that if you don't have a centralized platform where you can actually see that people are viewing things, you're kind of just making numbers up out of the air. And Ike wasn't getting tens of millions of views on his videos prior to losing YouTube anyway. So it'd be quite surprising if his fandom went up after this rather than down. 
but it doesn't matter to Ike because Ike now has his own video platform. And I know we did this joke last time, and you already know what the answer is, Josh, but what do you think the name of David Ike's video platform is? Well, it would have to be something that involves his name. Yeah. It would have to be something sort of meaningful and 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 uh, significant. Yeah. So I'm going with Iconic. You are completely correct. Yes, he's got his own video platform called Iconic, and that is where you'll get all your David Icke memeable videos from now on in. Yes, I, I, I'm assuming it's probably meant to be Iconic, but, but but because Ike is Ike with a CK, it's iconic spelt with a CK, and that reads iconic in my books. Indeed. I agree with you entirely, mm. and we are the masters of the English race. We sure are. I meant to say language. The masters of the English race is a really, really weird thing for me to have said. Mm. How's that Hitler spread doing? I'm, I, 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 let's, let's move on to Dieselgate. <laughs> let's move on. Dieselgate, yes. Um, so... This one's been going on for a while. When did when did this start? Several years ago now. I can't even remember. 2015? 2016? Yeah, has I mean I no, I me, I think it is 2016, because I, hmm. I do mention it in the new book. I think it is 2016. Yeah. So I mean if, if, if you may well have forgotten by now, I'm sure Volkswagen hopes you have, that they got caught um, cheating emissions tests um, in a bunch of their diesel vehicles. Um, and there are a bunch of court cases and so on and so forth. But the latest one is that um, they've lost a battle around compensation uh, for people who bought their emissions cheating vehicles. Um, so apparently... But not just that, not just people who bought them, people who bought them secondhand. Ah, oh yes, secondhand minivan, yes. Um, so basically it turns out you can get compensation from VW if you bought one of the one of their vehicles that had a cheat device in it um, before the whole Dieselgate scam was revealed, but presumably if you still bought one after it was revealed, they're going to argue you knew what you were getting and so there's no compensation there. Yeah, so basically it turns out that the punishment for VW in Germany is, well, the person who sold the car wouldn't have known you put a cheap device in it. So they sold it honestly thinking it was an emissions efficient vehicle. You can't really claim compensation against someone who wasn't aware that they had a car that was cheating. So basically, not only do you have to pay compensation to people who bought vehicles from you brand new, if someone unsold the vehicle, you have to pay for that as well, VW. This is the punishment for engaging in a conspiracy. You must face the highest legal hurdle. You must give money to everyone. Hmm. Now, this, this is most likely the end of, um, of the litigation related to this case, but um, as we've said in the past, this is not the first time car manufacturers have been caught cheating on their emissions tests. I mean, it goes all the way back to the, when was it, the 70s was the first time? Yeah, um, cars and trucks. I mean, basically, if it's got an engine in it, someone who manufactures it has cheated about emissions at some point in time. Mm. So it would be nice to think that manufacturers have learned their lesson over this and will actually work harder to get their cars meeting the emission standards they claim that they meet. But um, if history is any guide, we may well be back here in, in, in a few years' time having a similar argument over a similar thing, 
probably with a different company. Who knows? But yeah, I, I, it would be surprising if this were to be the end of it. No, basically they've conspired in the past. We've got no good reason to think they won't conspire again in the future. Mm. Uh, and that brings us to the end of our news updates. Those were all the things we felt like highlighting highlighting this month. Actually, one thing that just came up the other day, which you haven't, haven't got in our notes, the whole Trump, Joe Scarborough, killed a woman conspiracy. Did you see yes, that? Yes, I, I was thinking we'd probably talk about that in the bonus episode next week. Yeah, before it's fully been, developed. Because, there's yeah. been new stuff in the last few hours last few hours basically where the guardian had a piece on how quite a lot of trump's media allies in the u.s are chastising the president for continuing to insinuate but not claim directly that a news host killed someone so people are going yeah this is this has gone from something that we can ignore to he keeps on doing it and it's newsworthy and we're kind of republican aligned but at the same time you're taking our own here and that's just not right mm. so yes i suspect there'll be a lot more on this yes wait next to see week what after trump has burnt bridges with every single media organization in the u.s mm. Um, so that's all for now, uh, well, for, for, for the main episode, of course. Um, now, as, as, as is our want, when it's a, a newsy episode in the main episode, the patron bonus content will be not newsy, although it's kind of current events. It is, and it's rather interesting in its kind of Germanic focus. Mm. It's a little bit alt-righty, it's a little bit Freeman on the land, and it's a whole bunch of a supposed king of New Germany. Now, I do want to point out that we have been releasing this bonus content to people who aren't patrons. I don't know why I put a really long pause in there. During the lockdown, for the sheer fact, the more content, the better when people are locked down. But given that we're all kind of coming out of lockdown now, this will be the last bit of bonus content we'll be giving away for free. If you want the bonus content, you will need to become a patron, either via the Podbean patron system or the Patreon system. But this bonus episode will be available to non-patrons in a week's time. Mm-hmm. But it's the last time, I tell you. And it's, of course, we get another outbreak of COVID-19, well, yes. and then who knows? Mm, yes. So, so yes, if you want to hear about Peter I, the new king of New Germany, uh, tune into our Patreon episode. Uh, but otherwise, uh, it is simply time for us to say goodbye. And murder, she wrote. Is that your new catchphrase? Yeah. It's not very good, is it? Okay, fine. All right. It's it's fantastic. It's all very Magnum PI. They they did a crossover, you know. Medici wrote in Magnum Mm. PI. Yes, yes, they did. And then Tom Selleck's mustache guest starred on an episode of Knight Rider. I'm just making stuff up now because it's the end of the episode and we've run out of things to say. But you know, so Tom Selleck's mustache did guest star in Friends. And then that was when Tom Selleck shaved it and everyone was like, what the hell has gone wrong with your face, man? It's true. I mean, basically, his fame was basically the moustache. I think so, yeah. Anyway, we're rambling now. Time to, time to knock this thing on the head uh, and simply say to you goodbye. Murder, she wrote. been listening to the podcaster's guide to the conspiracy starring josh addison and dr mrx dented which is written researched recorded and produced by josh and m 
You can support the podcast by becoming a patron via its Podbean or Patreon campaigns. And if you need to get in contact with either Josh or M, you can email them at podcastconspiracy at gmail.com or check their Twitter accounts, Mikey Fluids and Conspiracism. Remember, they're coming to get you, Barbara.